Hey everyone, this is Nate Green. Now, it's been a little while since we've done one of these, but Jason and I are excited to pick it back up again. So in this episode of Two Friends Talking About Things, we discuss five-year life plans and why they're probably not the best idea. We also talk about the stages of learning, from becoming an insufferable know-it-all asshole to transforming into someone with a little more maturity and wisdom. And finally, we talk about travel and change, which is especially relevant right now since I just finished a seven-month trip around the world and Jason is considering moving back to the U.S. after nearly two years on the road. Now, as is usual in our conversations, Jason goes on multiple big rants, and I'm there with some well-timed and hopefully thoughtful ideas and questions to keep us on track. So we're going to pick it up right now, mid-conversation, with Jason, who's talking about his decision to move back to the States after being a digital nomad for the past two years. Enjoy. I guess where I'm, where I kind of struggle with it is, is like, you know, I feel like I talked about it so much like, oh yeah, travel's like the best thing in the world. And, you know, I'd, I'd be like hawking these, these Mark Twain quotes like, oh yeah, travel is the, is fatal to prejudice. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, fucking, uh, I'm so much, so much smarter than everybody who's like stuck at home. And, and so like now that I'm on the edge of, I guess, stepping back from that and, you know, cause where I'm at right now is I, I actually just got into talks with, um, with a huge corporation about potentially coming on as a, a developer for them, which for me is a huge opportunity, like a resume building kind of thing. It's a, um, a huge networking thing. Cause this is a company that's got offices in like four continents or something crazy like that. And uh, it would put me in a position to build cool stuff that will like legitimately affect a, a large chunk of the development world. So that's really exciting. Right. But in, an, in order to do that, I have to be willing to give up some of this freedom and mobility that I've had. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with that right now and trying to decide, you know, am I, am I so married to this idea of being remote that I'm not willing that, that I'd be willing to pass up an opportunity that, you know, gives me so like everything except the remote. Well, you know, so this, so this is interesting because like both, both ends of this let's just say like you entered uh at i'm gonna be a remote worker or a digital nomad or whatever you may not have used those terms but like i'm gonna go do this and now you're like on the other end where you're like reconsidering that and so it just goes to show at least and i felt the same thing but and this is cliche as fuck but everything changes right like the whole Mm -hmm. this too shall pass and so it's really interesting because i feel like every time that i feel like i say i'm gonna do something and I'm going to do it. And this is just the way it's going to be, uh, that inevitably changes. Like I found a blog post, uh, for, for those listening that don't really know my background. Uh, I've, I've been in the health and fitness industry for a long time. I was a personal trainer for a while and, and an author and, and, and all this. And I found a blog post I wrote like, I don't know, seven years ago. And it mm-hmm. was like five things I will never eat again. <laughs> and it was like, bread (laughs) just like (laughs) you know what I mean just like my fucking idealism like I'm a fitness guy who doesn't eat carbs like of course that was a ridiculous stance to take and of course I was like 23 and naive but now I'm 31 and fucking naive about other things and I swear I probably do the same thing where I'm like here are three things I will never do again and then like (laughs) A month later, I'm like, well, here I am back because actually those things that I said I'll never do again have benefits that I wasn't aware of at the time or my lifestyle has changed or my mind has changed in such a way yeah. that those things that were irrelevant now are suddenly incredibly relevant. I think and that's such a 
a huge thing to, to, to bring up is like the idea that we don't always see all the benefits when we start. And, and so, um, one of the things that I've always tried to live by, one of the things that I at least advocate, even if I don't necessarily follow it, is the idea that like I'm choosing like what's right for me today. You know, I, I try to I try to live by the axiom that like, I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to say, is this making me happy? And if the answer is yes, I'm going to keep doing it. And if the answer is not as happy as I could be or no, then I'm going to look at ways to adjust my life until I end up being where I want to be. And so as you know, the for the last almost two years, travel has been making me really happy. Um, I've like I've really enjoyed being a traveler. I've really enjoyed seeing other parts of the world, mangling other people's languages, uh, learning how to you know learning how to eat with chopsticks, learning like all these things that I've been picking up that have that have really helped broaden my mind, helped me uh, build some empathy and just a better understanding of the the world in general. Um, but in that same span, there are things that that I wasn't doing there there were things that I was um kind of letting go to the wayside like you know my professional network I didn't really need a professional network I had the contracts that would support me and I had the the like social network that would support me so I didn't have to go out and grow that so I kind of let that go and Mm -hmm. I you know I haven't given any thought to like you know a five-year plan I don't believe in five-year plans because I again I think you know if you try to if I try to guess where I'm going to be in six months, I'm going to be wrong. Trying to guess what I'm going to want in, in five years or 10 years. Like I'm 31 now. If I would have let 21 year old me make 10 year decisions for me, I would be <laughs> locked in so many stupid things. Like I'd probably be living in a fucking van and like playing music that went out of style eight years ago. Eating McDonald's <laughs> dollar meal every day. Yeah. Like living off top ramen and free cups of, of hot water from the gas station. Like, <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> that was, that was the life that I was living when I was 21 and I loved it at the time. And had I, you know, had I been able to make a 10 year plan or a five year plan, I ne- like I, that flexibility, that inflexibility would have totally ruined the trajectory of my life. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think it's just really important that as as much as I hate to admit that that what I did, you know, I, I like overshot and like told all these, you know, I told my family, I was like, oh, I'm going to travel forever. I love it. And, and now I'm like, <laughs> mm, no, I think I might move to Texas, <laughs> you know, and, and so it's 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 humbling when you realize that you were that spectacularly wrong about like. You know, oh, let me make a prediction about what I'm going to want in nine months. Yep, that was fucking wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So so one thing that's interesting to me too is like I feel like the the thing that we latch on or the thing the thing that uh let, let me give you a real example. So when people get in shape, um, let's say they get in shape through CrossFit, like they've always had a hard time being consistent with their workouts. They don't really eat well, whatever, mm-hmm. and so they find CrossFit, and then they suddenly have this community, and they are working out and they're eating better and they're excited about it. Um, that becomes their life, not just health and fitness, but CrossFit in general. And I'm just using CrossFit here. It could be fucking anything, right? Like low carb eating or I don't know, curves or whatever. Right. Right. But that becomes the thing that they judge everything else from. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 
our situation, or at least my situation with the travel was the same. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this thing. And now as soon as I started traveling, I'm like, this is amazing. Everyone should do this. Why aren't more people doing this? I'm so lucky and fortunate that I'm able to do this. And then once you, I guess you become less indoctrinated and you just like have more reality, uh, you become aware of like how, uh, aggressive you were in that viewpoint and not just to yourself, but like sharing it with other people. Totally. Yeah. Um, and actually, so I wrote a, an article about that, which was like my stages of learning. Um, mm-hmm. and oh, that's a good one. The, the way that I, the way that I approached it was that, you know, you, you start out, you don't know that you're stupid. And so there's something out there that you've never heard of before. And, um, so you, you like, you're perfectly happy in your existence because you're not aware that you don't know something. And then somebody injects that knowledge or the, the awareness that you're ignorant into your life. And now you're really unhappy. Like nothing has changed. You still don't know a thing, but you've become aware that you don't know that thing. And so you're super pissed about it. Um, and so you start to learn and you start to do that thing and you get exactly enough knowledge to become a giant asshole about it. <laughs> and you start mm-hmm. to be like condescending toward everybody who doesn't know or do the thing that you're advocating now, um, mm-hmm. which is exact, you know, and I always, I always do it and I catch myself and I go, fuck, I'm never doing that again. And I immediately do it again. Um, and I, you know, I did it with travel. I was like, oh my God, how could, how is nobody else, you know, taking advantage of these tax breaks? How is nobody else like living so cheaply in, in Thailand when you have to spend, you know, so much money to live in the United States, how is no one else doing that? You know, all these things. And, and I would like, I wasn't outwardly ridiculing people, but I was definitely judging people and, and I didn't mean to. And then the, like the final stage, and this is where I think wisdom comes in or, or maturity or whatever you want to call it is when you, you realized that the thing that you know does not make you a good or a bad person. It's just one more thing that you do or don't know. And you cease to measure other people by whether or not they have that knowledge. I think this, when you, when you were saying that, it reminds me of a quote that I'm about to murder from Bruce Lee. And he was like, before the martial arts, a kick was just a kick and a punch is just a punch. When I became interested or when I joined the martial arts, a kick was way more than a kick and a punch was way more than a punch. Now that I understand the martial arts, a kick is just a kick and a punch is just a punch. So like you mm-hmm. go through that entire stage of learning. Yeah. Yeah. As, as usual, somebody else has taken an article that took me 3000 words to communicate and, and like gotten it across in three sentences. <laughs> like my, and it's like my, super catchy. It's my favorite thing about being a writer is like, I'll work so hard to to encapsulate this idea and I can never do it in under 2000 words. Like I, like 2000 words is my lower bound. And then mm-hmm. immediately after posting it, somebody will post a quote and I'm like, fuck, that's one sentence that, that communicates everything I just said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so I, I want to transition for, for just a minute then. So we're talking about like how, obviously how things change. So what's your, do you want to talk about like your plan now or, or my plan in general or like where, where do you want to move with this? Well, so I think, well, I actually, I, I have one more thing that I want to, that I want to do in this idea of like the, the stages of learning or like, you know, your, your idea that five years ago, there were things you would never eat again. Um, so the, and, and what I want to talk about specifically is the idea of, of like labels and the, the labels mm. that we apply to ourselves 
um, because you know you you brought up I think one of the most inflammatory labels, which is CrossFit, right? Um, because people who are CrossFitters fucking love CrossFit, like it's a it's a cult or something. And then people who don't like CrossFit, they fucking hate CrossFit, and everybody else just doesn't know CrossFit exists, right? So it's it's like it's it's one of those things that you know you just cannot. You don't have a, a lukewarm opinion on CrossFit. You either don't know no. it exists or you have a strong opinion about it, right? That means that that means it's good marketing because it's create creating us versus them, right? Right. That's very, very poignant. Right. And I and I actually think so this is this is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, which is the idea of us versus them. Um and it's been, you know, I'm I'm not gonna talk about politics, but because of the political discussions that are happening right now. The idea of us versus them is really, really in the forefront in the media, and it's and so it's something that I've been thinking about, kind of constantly, um, mm-hmm. and the the idea that I've been, been been playing with is is that, you know, we we get a choice in our us versus them, and, you know, we we don't get a choice in what we are, like I will always be a dude from Montana. Like I can't, I can't undo that, you know, but I do get a choice when I tell my own story, whether it's to myself or to the internet in my like hundred word bio or to somebody that I'm just meeting for the first time, I get a choice in how I choose to label myself. And if I go out and I tell somebody, you know, yeah, I'm Jason, I am a, a CrossFitter and a vegan, like I've just said one sentence and anybody who's heard that has just formed a very like complete opinion of me. And that's really not all that I am. Like obviously people who go to CrossFit are not just CrossFitters. They don't wake up, do CrossFit and go to sleep. They like have whole complex Some lives. <laughs> but, I'm kidding. And, and like the same with vegans. Like we have strong opinions about vegans. We have strong opinions about anti-vaxxers or, um, you know, like these, these groups that people, you, uh, people tend to, they put these labels on themselves. They, they call themselves liberal or conservative. They call themselves, you know, vegan or atheist or, uh, or Christian or whatever. And when you, when you apply that label as like the foremost thing that you're giving somebody during an introduction, you're letting that label do all the talking for you. You're like outsourcing your personality to a label. So while it's really easy for me to say, you know, I'm Jason, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a digital nomad and a, a like tattoo enthusiast, like those two statements, while technically true, do not at all describe what I would consider myself to be. Like I'm not, you know, the, the guy that you would think of as a tattoo th- enthusiast in the stereotypical sense of the word, probably is very little like me. The, and the same with a digital nomad. Like, I, I don't think that I fit this, the stereotype of a digital nomad. So when are the labels helpful, though? Because, I mean, obviously, like, the reason they exist is to, to have some kind of in-group, out-group, and also to, like, like, we were just talking about how you take 2,000 words to do something, and Bruce Lee did the same thing in three sentences. Like, that's yeah. what a label is, too, right? Like, it's, it's, it's like the ability to, one, feel like you're a part of something, uh that's important I would assume and then like tell people in the least amount of words as possible what it like what your ideology is and what kinds of things you believe based on the labels that you say you are so like what's how's how's that how does a label serve you or does it um well I I, there are definitely situations where it can serve you yeah I mean obviously if um 
you're yeah. trying to get a client and you're like, I'm a web developer. <laughs> right. Well, right. Way and, better than like, I enjoy computers. Yeah. And I guess, I, I guess there's a, an important distinction to draw between like a thing that you do. Cause like if, if you say I go to the gym, that's not a label. Like, you know, a, a label is like a, a socially established group that has a like socially established stereotype. So if, if I say like, I don't, like, I don't know, like I, I believe that the government faked nine 11, like you have <laughs> just like now people will label me a conspiracy theorist and that, that label of conspiracy theorist will supersede almost anything else and it'll taint anything else that I say. Absolutely. And depending on what labels you apply and in what company you apply those labels, you can severely help or damage your standing um, in the eyes of the people that you're around. And so for me, I think that like labels are helpful when you are attempting to like sort the world. I don't think there's any way to get away from general generalized labeling or trying to like divide large complicated groups of things into smaller simpler to understand groups of things that's that's human nature if we didn't do that we would spend all of our time in like absolute paralysis trying to understand what was around us um but i also think that it it becomes a shortcut it it becomes a way for us to avoid thinking about what we actually are and letting a group make decisions on our behalf um because you know i like a really interesting uh, instance of this is the idea that why is it that most CrossFitters, so they, they label themselves CrossFitters. Why is it that most of them eat paleo? Because technically eating paleo and doing CrossFit are two separate decisions, but the label of CrossFit implies that you buy into the CrossFit ethos mythos. What's the right one? I don't know what something I have else. No idea. The, the 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 CrossFit ideology that eating paleo makes makes you more CrossFit. Like it it's part of the CrossFit label. And as a result, people who who ascribe to that label wholeheartedly end up eating paleo, even though it has nothing to do with the exercise portion of CrossFit, which is what the label describes. So you're saying that you get into one label and then maybe unbeknownst to you or like you, you recognize it, it comes with a bunch of other sub labels that you now just adopt because you're joined that first one. Exactly. So a, a very personal example for me is when I started listening to like metal music when I was a kid. Right. And I, I started learning about the different subsets of like metal culture, the, the goth kids and the metal kids and the emo kids and, and these, the, all these things. And when I joined a band, my band fell into like the emo hardcore subset. And there were like definitions that I'd never considered when I was doing it. But after the fact, I was like, holy shit, I was like wearing a uniform because all of the kids in my, my label, they had to have like long hair that fell into their faces and it had to have skinny jeans and they had to have white belts and they needed to wear like tight band t-shirts and yeah makeup and and shitloads of piercings and they had to listen to these certain bands and if they didn't have an encyclopedic knowledge of like these certain bands that founded the genre they were posers like there were so many rules and when i decided to be an emo kid 
I unconsciously adopted all of those rules and I started following them. Here's, here's what's interesting because just using this example for a minute, and I don't know where the fuck this is going, but uh, my little brother Jordan was in that band and I got the sense that he didn't subscribe to any of that shit. Well, yeah, I, but, I think... at, but, but at the time, and the reason I bring that up is because like, I remember you and the rest of the band being like upset at him because he didn't fit the uniform. It's like, how are we going right. to get signed if like you are the outlier, you're fucking weird kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and like no shit, we, we forced him once we were, we were on tour and we <laughs> sat him down outside of our van and we cut his hair to be more stylish. And like we, we wanted to force him to look like he belonged in that band. And yeah. And like we, you know, we, maybe we couldn't get him to trade in his cargo pants for skinny jeans, but God damn it. He was going to have an emo haircut and, (laughs) and like, and looking back on it, it really is. It's like absurd. It's beyond absurd, but we see that same thing. Like kids, it's very obvious because with kids, they externalize it. They obsess over, um, the, the right music or the right clothes or the right, games, you know, whatever, like Pokemon or, or Twilight or what, you know, these sensations that we see, like the team Jacob, team Edward that happened with Twilight. I remember that internet battle, um, stuff like that. Like those sorts of things are very, very obvious with children, but with adults, we're actually doing the same shit like over and over and over again. Absolutely. It's just less obvious because the things that we, that we subscribe to are like grown up shit. Yeah. They're more adult things. Yeah. So like you, you see like, um, you know, a a good example is like if, uh, if somebody is like, uh, I don't know, I, I'm I'm hesitating to call anybody out because I don't want to like make fun of anybody directly, but you know, Ah, go ahead. Well, (laughs) it'll be entertaining at least. (laughs) I don't know what you're going to say. Well, cause what I'm thinking is like, you know, you, you, when somebody like grows up and they decide like, I am, um, like a small town person. Or like I am a uh, let me let me pick on my buddy Scott. Um, so Scott like grew up in a small town in Montana, and he decided that he was going to be a Republican and a Catholic and a like blue collar Montanan, right? And, and an Irishman. Yeah, and an Irishman. Like yeah. So all of those choices have had a strong impact on what he grew up to be. The choices that he made where he went to college, um, who he married. And like, I know for a fact that he would say that all those choices were independent. And I'm, I'm not like saying like, oh, Scotty's a drone, because I know if you were to, if you were to pick apart any of my choices, you could find similar, like similarly, uh, like odd things. And you could question well, I mean, we just, we just doing it. That, that's how we started with the whole digital nomad and travel thing anyway, yeah, right? So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I don't mean to like, I, I don't know if Scott is actually going to listen to this, but I, I love you, Scott. See you at your wedding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so to, to move away from Scott and not like talk a bunch of shit about Scott because he's my friend and I, I like him. Um, I, I think what I'm getting at, like the ultimate point that I'm getting at is that when we have these labels, and when we like, you can, ha- you can be something that can be labeled. Like if you have conservative values or, or liberal values, you can have that. It's the dangerous part is when that flips and you start to have values because you want a label. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I saw. Like when I went emo was I wanted to be an emo kid. And so I adopted a bunch of values to fit that label. 
did you see that being a, a di- digital nomad? Uh, well, with digital nomadism, I think it was a lot less of that because I, I personally have always been pretty, uh, I have never been fond of the digital nomad label. Like Mm -hmm. I, I did it a little bit at the beginning because it was new and shiny, but like, as I got into it a little bit, I, I immediately realized that like the digital nomad label was the thing that was being used to like sell the dream. And one of the things that I always dislike is people who finance the dream by selling the dream. Um, oh, yeah. The pe- people that teach you how to make money by teaching you how to s- sell other things to other people. Yeah. That, that, like that, that, was the, a, that was a horrible thing. Like, but, well, but, like the, like, the it's whole, like, 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 hey, you should follow your passion, and I can teach you to follow your passion yeah. if you pay me to help you follow your passion. Which and then you can teach other people how to show... was to follow my passion. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It, yeah, it, it becomes this kind of odd circle jerk, and I think that digital nomadism, um, the, the label of digital nomadism is that weird circle jerk where – well, you started you start a travel blog and then you make money by showing other people how to start a travel blog exactly and and I like I wrote a little bit about travel and almost immediately stopped because it just started mm-hmm. to feel like fuck man I am like I'm absolutely turning into one of those guys who like does a thing and then tries my best to convince people to do the thing I'm doing so that I can afford to keep doing it mm, <laughs> so and that's you know one of the reasons that my blog stays pretty philosophical is that I I like the idea of writing about big problems, um, and I, I like the idea of of approaching it from a um, like not from the practical. Here's how to have a great life standpoint, but thinking about the like, what do you actually want your life to be standpoint. So here's the big question I have for you: When are you moving to Texas? I don't know yet. Um, it's there's a lot of things that I have to figure out. Uh, I'm in discussion with the company to turn to determine whether or not that's happening. And I'm in discussion with Marissa to determine whether or not that would actually make us happy. But Mm -hmm. I should know by the end of this year, whether or not we're going to be stationary in in North America or keep traveling afterward. Well, uh, I want to end on one other thing too, because I've been in back, back in Montana now for about two months. And I think you and I had this conversation, but like, it was interesting because when I told people that I was moving back, they go, Oh, like, forever and I fucking hated that because it like it, I, like the idea of just moving someplace or doing anything forever is just ridiculous to me right and I was like no not forever I'm not just there for good I have no idea what's going to happen six months from now like you said or five years from now mm-hmm. um so what I'm trying to do now is like like what you said make the best decisions with the information that I have and take each day as it comes right now, I'll tell you this after traveling for seven months, I really enjoyed parts of it. Uh, other parts were struggles, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. that happens no matter what thing that you, that you try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm enjoying being back in Montana for now. And I think if you come back to the States, it will be good to sit down and have a cup of coffee or a cocktail together. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we just got to, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll repeat myself, but you, you have to wake up every morning and say, does this make me happy? And if the answer is yes, keep doing it. And if the answer is not yes, figure out a way to make the answer yes and just adjust. Don't be married to what your label says. Don't be married to what you told yourself you would do a month ago. Just think about today. What what will make you happy and well, then go forward with that. And, and in the spirit of uh, you taking a long time to talk about things and then other people succinctly uh, say them. I think that's exactly what Steve Jobs said in his fucking graduation speech like a couple of years ago. <laughs> Wait, what did he say? 
uh, every something like every morning I wake up and I ask myself, uh, if today were the last day of my life, would I continue to do what I'm doing? And if the answer is no too many days in a row, then I do something else. Well, it's, I guess it's encouraging to know that I'm having the same thoughts as other people, but God damn it, I need to stop repeating people who are smarter than me. <laughs> well, dude, I think that's inevitable. I think, I think, uh, I think original thinking is one thing, but then we all have the same words that we're using and these aren't like fucking new ideas, right? So yeah, well, anyway, that's, I just yeah. thought it was funny because as soon as you started <laughs> talking about that, I started thinking about Steve Jobs. Well, good. Yeah, no, that's, and that's, that's a great point. So, all right. Um, so what's our takeaway? Uh, be yourself. <laughs> that's a stupid takeaway. No, I don't know. Um, I, I am excited for whatever happens next. Like whether that means being back in the U.S. where we'll be able to get more FaceTime, um, that'll make me super happy. Uh, or whether it means continuing to travel. Like I know I've, I've regardless of what happens, I know I've never been happier than I am like right now. Me too, man. And I think I think the takeaway for me is just because this has happened so many t- different times in my life. Whenever I say that I'm going to do something for the rest of my life or whenever I say like I am on a path and I will continue to be on this path for a very long time, I need to remember that that's bullshit. And I will never remember that and I will only come to it after the fact, but it would be a good thing to remember. Here's, here's what we both need to do. I think we should, anytime that we get the urge to say for the rest of my life, we need to substitute for the next 48 hours. Like, Mm. this is what I'm going to do for at least the next 48 hours. And then we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) That sounds good. All right. right, I think that's a good note to end on. I'm going to go to a dentist appointment, which is not going to be fun. That sounds terrible. I'm going to go to dinner. That sounds way better. (laughs) All right. All right, man. Good talking to you. See you.